Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The opinions expressed in the following podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide education and entertainment about the financial industry and the stock market. Enjoy. On this episode of Pennies Going In Raw, we discuss shorting, position sizing, analyst price targets, and we answer some questions. You find out life's this game of pennies. Oh, you guys know we only have a 40% runner. Hello? 40% is a f***ing killing. We've been compliant for too long. It's time we go to war. I don't have a Roth. You know so much about the market that his brain doesn't have enough room for grammar. Hey, who told me about Idex? It's going up a shit ton now. Rob, 4%, baby. No way. 4 fucking percent. You asked the exact same question with two words <laughs> different. It's like, f- man, I just got dick whipped for like 20%. And now that f***er's up like 50. I bet Warren Buffett never did that. I'm just making this voice memo to call out unusual whales to a fight. The pennies we need are everywhere around us. Pennies. 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 Going in raw. Featuring Dan. Deity it dips. And Hugh Honey. Produced by Vinny. And Christian. Let's, Let's go, go, baby. Welcome back to another episode of Pennies Going In Raw. Today is Sunday, August the 8th. Yeah, August the 8th. And, you know, the first, we just had our first week of August, our first full week of August. And it wasn't as bad as people made it seem, or even that we may have made it seem. I'm glad for you because I got smoked. Well, then again, like I wasn't holding much and I was only really playing some large caps. And, uh, you know, I, I also really enjoy trading around my wish position a lot just because, you know, <laughs> it has those 50 cent days. And, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm swinging a lot anyways. Might as well play with the play with the volume it has. But no, I mean, what what kind of made you struggle this week? Was it just your swings or plays or what? I mean, yeah, it was a majority of the swing plays. Uh, We're still feeling like that downward pressure, and that's okay. You know, there's just not much volume in the market, so even like some of my swings, you know, I'm looking at them. (laughs) And I mean, if I were to to get out of them, sometimes I would be like 10% of the daily volume. And I don't don't like that. 
at all. So, you know, it's, it's just like that downward pool kind of, um, you know, I, I, I niggled pins, you know, I have a good amount of pins. So, uh, luckily that's back over 60, but you know, I started in on that too early. So what kind of spooked me about, pin- obviously, you know, Dave Portnoy is going to be Dave Portnoy. You can't, you can't hold back that beast, but whenever he tweeted the day of the acquisition, wasn't it that Canadian gambling company was, was that what the yeah. news was? Yeah tweeted something like today we find out who's big brains and who's small brains as this tank proceeds to go down five percent you know and i'm like <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. like right when i saw that tweet i was like ah <laughs> a lot of gambling plays going on right now is that just because like football season's coming back we're in preseason right now and well so the other thing is that um is that if we're taking it from from their business perspective right now right now is probably their let me see their least busiest time of the year Oh yeah, I mean all that's on right now is baseball and baseball. soccer and the well the Olympics yeah. too, but <laughs> Yeah, you have the Olympics, but um but as far as like let's just say their normal operations, yeah. this is usually when they get all of their uh you know, this would be the time that they're doing all of their admin stuff because I mean it makes the most sense. Uh you know, it's it's their kind of it's not their off season, but it it kind of is their off season. Um so that's why we're seeing all these business, you know, this business transactions and them being inside the news right now. Is because they uh, because this is when you know they have their their important board meetings you know and uh, they start budgeting for next year that you know things that things that most companies probably usually do towards the end of the year or the beginning of the year um, this is like their calendar year for them. Yeah. Do you think more gambling plays are going to kind of emerge, and do you think Penn will be the under the one that proves to be undervalued and kind of breaks through the rest? I mean, because everyone yeah. everyone knows Barstool, especially with, you know, the amount of retail traders coming up and, you know, then their age group loves Barstool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's one thing is that Barstool is is the Tesla of gambling or, you know, of, uh, of that space. And uh, the other thing is that kind of similar to Tesla, like the brand loyalty, you kind of really never know what they're going to pull out. And when whatever they usually whatever they do they always do it big. You know, it's not like a small announcement. Anytime that, you know, we, we see Dave Portnoy, you know, with his little suit on and, and announcement time or whatever, you know, it's, it's, it is always something big. And that from now on, that'll directly affect game, no matter what it is. I, I think that, yes, it, it, to answer your question in short, yes, definitely. I think that Penn will be, will be the, the front runner. Um, and that's because again, brand loyalty and, you know, I mean, because of how much noise Portnoy makes with everything uh, that I mean, I just think that that, uh, you know, makes them different. Well, going back to just the the first week of August situation, um, you know, you mentioned your swings were down bad. Did day trader Hugh make any mistakes? I mean, I I like to go really, really heavy cash. And like I said, just had my wish position. I trade around that. Um, but you know, did, did day trader Hugh make any mistakes in the market or was it just the swings? No, I mean, so, I mean, part of it is also that I've been doing a lot of things like outside of the market. Uh, you know, I mean, just meetings and stuff that I would never take during market hours. They just had to be during, during market hours. Uh, so part of that was like, my focus wasn't entirely. So if I took like a day trade, you know, I wasn't watching it directly and then I would miss like, you know, where I wanted to sell or I would miss the price action cause I couldn't watch it. 
and then, you know, I would, I would lose. Uh, or, or, you know, and then I get into like one of those things where like, you know, okay, if it just gets back up to here, I'll sell. And, and I mean, this is all everything that we always talk about like doing and here I'm just sitting there, you know, screwing it up. Yeah. One thing I think everyone has been trading Monday through Thursday and even going back into last week was AMD. You saw it go from 90 to a little bit above 120 and finally, well, yesterday I remember it dying down or recording this on Friday. But do you think we're always going to have like during August that one large cap that everyone's kind of trading? Because that just seemed like the like waiter, the UAVS of Fintwit, even though it was a large cap. Yeah. Um, no, kind of like how how in a really hot market sectors will run. It's similar to large cap. So it could be it could be whatever has the most volume. Like that's what it is. It doesn't necessarily need news, but obviously news usually brings volume. So, uh, you know, I mean, when something has news, it's kind of like the four day or three day rule, uh, kind of like the 24 hour news cycle. So even when Baba, you know, when when uh uh, what's his name? Who Who's their billionaire founder? I'm forgetting his name. Uh, I don't know, but he went missing for like a month or two. Yeah. A few months back. Yeah. You don't, you can't, you can't say anything bad about China if you're uh, making all the money <laughs> in China. But no, yeah, yeah, we know who you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that, that created a huge liquidity event and, and a lot of volume. So similar to that, um, when, when, whatever large cap has the most volume, uh, or, you know, most volume, most, you know, liquidity going on, that's the one that, that, usually people flock to. But the thing is that what you can't do is that you can't get stuck, kind of like get getting stuck holding the bag. You can't be stuck when that liquidity stops. So the second that the that the relative volume is not pacing, just be done with it. Also, don't swing it. Don't swing these things because when the volume does stop on them, it doesn't take much for them to, you know, slice through down or up if you're short. Yeah, not fighting the trend, I think, is something we may not talk about enough. I Definitely. mean, just the fact that, you know, there there is a power much more strong than you. And uh, you're yeah. just because you're over PDT or whatever accolades you think you might have, um, the trend is always going to be fucking strong. Oh, yeah. No, that's a good one. I like that one a lot. Uh, another thing I was thinking about is imagine Tesla's stock if Elon Musk went missing for a few months. Yeah, no. They like yeah, couldn't I, happen here. That's that. Yeah. See, I, I still go back to my thesis that I don't think that I think that eventually he leaves Tesla. Like, I just think that eventually he's like he's an innovator and he's gonna want to leave Tesla. Uh, I still, I still come back to that, and I think that that's that. I mean, that day I'll be really interested to see what happens. I mean, maybe that day never comes, but I really do think that he's gonna want to focus and innovate on something else, probably you know, like space. Um, I don't know. I just think that Tesla gets to a certain point to where he, he's not, it's, he, it's not going to be, not that it's not going to be interesting to him, but it, it's so self-running that he can't really, you know, he'll always be able to innovate, but it won't be enough innovation where he'll see more opportunity in space. I don't know. Uh, uh, we'll see. I think he's probably in it for the long haul, but then again, I mean, his shares are, I don't know if he is. Well, um, kind of moving on. August isn't isn't as bad as we thought. You know, obviously, if you play, well, <laughs> it's not as bad as I thought. You know, you know, d- seriously. I mean, I think this is one of the things we were going to talk about, anyways, was position sizing. I think maybe maybe you're scaled in too much, man. Maybe you need to readjust your position sizing for August. Definitely, M- most certainly. So maybe um, take a listen to this podcast once we're done. 
um, and you can reassess your mistakes. No, thank you, Dan. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hugh, do better. Um, I'll just I'll start using. <laughs> never mind. Anyway, yeah, I think that there's two that there's two things with position sizing. Um, obviously, with like when you're screwing up, there's there's that aspect of it. But also, I think it depends on what kind of account size you have. Yeah, um, because I mean, whenever. Even though the market was a lot hotter back then, going when you have a small account, really having conviction, obviously the the entry is the biggest thing with your starting position size. You can't be putting in twenty percent of it on your first one, even if that's only a thousand dollars of your five thousand dollar account because things dip, and that's that's a thing uh but no, I mean being able to put five percent of your account size into something is definitely a thing as an entry position is the thing you can do with a $5,000 account where it's not, you know, the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, the other thing is that with those smaller accounts is that you had to trade. I think you have to trade around the core more because of the fact that you have a smaller account. Most of the time, smaller accounts want to push it. Um, trading around the core is hard if you're under PDT. Well, obviously we recommend cash account a lot. Well, okay, then I mean, if you're yeah, if you're under PDT, then I would even say you know, then just take profits even faster. I mean, that's not that's obviously that contradicts what most people think because they think that because they have a smaller account, they want to you know push it really hard, and I get that, and you want to you know squeeze out as much as possible, but uh, that's actually the opposite of what I think I would do or what smaller accounts should do because every dollar matters so much, and it's not that like with a bigger uh, account it doesn't matter it's just that you know you're trying to build that account you know you 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 really need that growth because the more money that you have the more money you know you can make on a smaller percentage gain so i mean that's really the way that i would handle it um yeah you know, I mean, just I taking think, those profits quick i think people see that thing that's like hey you only need to double your money like 11 times if you have a thousand dollars to get to a million with the one thousand, two thousand, four thousand, eight thousand, sixteen, thirty-two, sixty-four, one twenty-five, two fifty, five hundred, yeah. But to do that, you'd be putting your whole account in every single time and waiting for a hundred percent. Here, here's another little math tidbit for you. If you're doing that, you're also one offering away from splitting your shit in half. Yeah, especially in a market like this. If in a market like this, oh my, oh my God, like an ATM. Let's just say like a fifty percent of the market cap inside a float. I mean that thing would. Ta- I mean that thing would tank. It it would just be the selling pressure would be insane because there's just no bids. There's no bids out there. The the volume's so low. But that's also like what companies don't understand. They don't un- and they shouldn't. They also shouldn't be raising that much capital. Uh, does that make sense? Like they shouldn't be. If the market cap's two hundred million, they shouldn't be doing seventy million dollars worth of worth of an offering. Yeah. But if they were to do that inside this market. I mean, that market cap would be fucking a hundred million by the end of the day. So bad news is kind of amplified in shitty markets. Uh, and is good news oh, yeah. is good news just still just dampened? Uh, yes, for sure. Because the uh, listen, you'll see a faster pop because again, there's there's really no volume, so you will see a quicker pop. But in doing so, you're just going to see a quick pop and fade. Um, like that's inside the market that we're in, like. You know, it, it's one of those where uh, 9.30, 9.45, you can start in shorting and, you know, and by the end of the day, it's red. Like that's like that's the kind of market that we're in right now. And I think that we're going to continue like that. So if you're quick with it, um, 
you know, and this is probably where this is the market where RSI is probably the most important, one of the most important indicators, because you can see where it's at. I, I like to use the 20 day chart and the 180 day chart. Based on those, you can see if we're overbought, if we're oversold. And uh, I mean, some of these stocks that I'm looking at, you know, they're getting really close to being, you know, way oversold, um, which is a really good thing. But understanding that if, if the RSI is at 30, you know, I mean, it can go to 20. Shit, it can go to 15. Um, so you do have to keep that in mind. But in this market, I think that RSI is a really good indicator, which is in normal markets, I don't usually think that because most of the time they run farther. You know, they'll come back down, consolidate, run farther. But so, yeah, so inside this market, I really like RSI. So do you think RSI may be better because it's saying something is oversold when you as a trader probably think just about everything's fucking oversold? And it's like, hey, yeah. you know, be careful. <laughs> Maybe it's not oversold yet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, going back to position sizing, you know, obviously it, it applies differently in, in months like this. But even for the smaller accounts, you got to you got to think how how much conviction do you have in the trade and how much you're willing to lose out of it? Because, I mean, when it comes to position sizing, I think your plan has to match up with it. If you're doing 25 percent of your account and your small account on one trade, whether it be Let's say it's a, would you say to do it with a, a bigger one, like, or a more expensive stock, like Wish, or do, because, you know, 25% of a $5,000 account, you're only getting 150 shares. Yeah. Oh, okay. But here, okay. Yeah. And, and I totally get that mindset. But I do think that there's a difference because, and, and I actually had this conversation because the percentage gain is really what matters. Mm. I know that you can get more, more shares, but if, if let's just say, you know, you have a $3 stock and you have a $20 stock, even though you can get less shares, if they both go up 20%, it's the same gain. Yeah, no, I mean, it's one of those things where it, maybe it was just beaten to my head whenever I had a smaller account. It was like the only things we were trading were all 20 cents and 25 cents and 30 cents. But, you know, he's right. The, the percentage is all that matters. So, I mean, what other things do you know that kind of range out like, like that right now. I mean, you've got to know these personalities of these stocks whenever you are under PDT, if you're doing the cash account thing, because trading around the core, like he just mentioned, is, is I mean, that's still what I do to this day. I mean, it, it works out so well. So many other traders do it too. And it's it gives you that buffer for that swing to, even if it does go bad, you still made enough to cushion yourself. Uh, on TD Ameritrade, they have that P&L year to date thing. Um, and I like looking at that because sometimes, I mean, intraday it's down, you know, <laughs> the stock might be down, you know, five, 6% on nothing, um, just low volume. And so I like looking at that, like reminding like, okay, you know, I'm up a pretty good amount on this. You know, I can have a little more flexibility or it'll make me realize like, dude, you can't trade Amazon. Like you suck at trading Amazon. Uh, maybe stop doing that. And so I'd stop doing that. Um, <laughs> and so I think that, I think that, it, you know, that sometimes puts it in perspective for me. But I mean, more tips for the smaller account people when it comes to position sizing, obviously for your quick little day trades, you know, when I was a smaller account, I was not like trading breakouts like that. You know, I still don't no. really like to trade breakouts. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. With, with the smaller accounts. Okay. So, so the, I think there's like a few different levels. Obviously, when you're first learning, like our thing is beer money, you know, to beer money, beer money, beer money. It lose the same amount that you would lose on a night out with friends drinking as you, you know, put that into a into your uh, into your brokerage account, and then don't go out one night. 
boom, done. Okay. That's the best way because if you, the biggest mistake is when, you know, you see Zach or you see us trading, you know, and making 60% of profit, you immediately want to jump in there and start making money. And I, yeah, we all get that, but you don't know anything. Okay. You have to walk before you can crawl. And that's why you really just have to get in there. And, uh, you know, for six months, you just have to be in front of the screens and you just have to trade. And, or, I mean, you know, trade with like a small account, take, take a few shares, like literally just a few shares. Even if it's 60 cents, take 10 shares. That's it. Like just, just, just get your feet wet. And then once you really feel confident, then that's one of those things where uh, what a lot of people like to do is, and and I I honestly have mixed feelings on this, but I also think that it works for a lot of people. So therefore, I feel like I have to mention it. it and so what a lot of people like to do is that they like to take 100 shares, no matter the stock price. And that's what they like to do. And that's the way that they keep it super systematic. And at the same time, can still manage the risk. And so I'm okay with that. That that never worked for me, um, but I'm okay with that. Now, obviously, you know, you're not buying 100 shares of Amazon, but when they're trading like mid caps, so anything underneath like, you know, like, like anything 100 million to 10 billion, you know, they'll take like 100 shares of. And that's fine. That's fine. But that doesn't work for me. But if you're going to choose a systematic route, that might be the the way to go. And then I feel like you have the next level. So, you know, 100, 100 shares, I'm going to assume is underneath 5% of your account, by the way. 100 shares. You got to think, though, if we're talking about a smaller account, 100 shares of something, $10 is... Is $1,000. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm talking like, I'm talking like, so when you're first starting out beer money... We're up to like 50000 yeah, 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 okay. exactly. And and I feel like that's good because at 50,000 you can still make some money, but at the same time you can manage your risk and not, you know, really screw the pooch. You know, like uh like okay, if you if, if let's just say that the $5,000 goes to zero. That's going to hurt. Uh, again, the chances of it going completely zero are probably small um because you're not going to be playing options at that point. Um but so it'll hurt, but the chances of that are going are small. Um, and it would probably be a really good lesson. So that's, that's how I feel like the next tier is. And then I feel like when you really start to make some money and let's just say your account gets over like 200 or something, <clears throat> maybe 250, uh, you know, you have a little bit of wiggle room and that's when, you know, if you made 250,000 inside the stock market, I mean, either you are incredibly lucky or, you know, you have, you have a really good strategy going on. So that's one of those times where I think, uh, you know, what over that level is where you can really start to have a little bit more conviction. And that's one of those times where, Hey, you want to put 10% of your account in because, because that's what your strategy says. And, you know, then you can kind of do it. I mean, yeah, you're going to take some bumps, but I think that's where you can really start to push the, you know, pedal to the floor and, you know, maybe up your risk a little bit. Yeah, and then once you're at that 250 mark, 10%, you're putting in 25K, and then you're a good enough trader where you can see the levels. Obviously, this isn't applying for someone that just throws 250 grand in an account and starts trading. <laughs> but yeah. you know, you're not going to put yourself in a position where you're going to lose more than 25, 30% of that at max, you know? Yeah, no, I, I exactly. And uh, yeah, exactly. You know, you make a quarter million dollars inside the stock market at all, you know, that that's impressive shit. So, um, you know, you've done something right. And now you can put that because once you start to really push, you know, the floor of the pedal, yeah, you're, you're the, it's going to be hard to get you. What the fuck was that? 
I mean, okay. I I thought I was doing so good. I let the pedal to the floor slide. I mean, the saying (laughs) pedal to the metal, but I mean, it's the same thing. But pressing the floor to the pedal is is so is so is so is so dumb it's so dumb it doesn't even i don't even know how you could even come i don't know where that came from and it's it's like 10 a.m there it's not like you have an excuse to just just that's obnoxious i don't even think they would have noticed floor to the pedal they would, if you guys, they would have turned off. That, they would have turned the podcast off, <laughs> dude. Whatever. I don't know how I get so many screwed up. It's so dumb. I'm gonna send you an <laughs> idiom book for Christmas, a book on all <laughs> things. Maybe just like a fourth grade vocab book. <laughs> Some, you know. But anyways, anyway, yeah. Go on. I back. feel. I feel like once you're over that, two, so if you got to 250 being systematic and managing your risk, after that, you can start to risk a little more. Now, again, it's not going to be easy to get used to. And that's where we're like, you know, it's one of those things where you should scale up into, you know, putting more of your account in. But those are the times where, you know, you can take a 250 account or, you know, 300K account to a million you know, if it took you a year to make 250, you can, you know, all all it will take is maybe 20 good trades to hit that million from there. Because because if you're putting 10, 15% of your account in, and again, you know, you, you're managing your risk, you know, you're being smart about where you're cutting, you know, you can take an account pretty fast. Now, I mean, it sounds great to just be like, yeah, like you can take a 250 to a million account much faster. Again, it's not going to be easy to scale into that you know, into that area, let's call it. So, I mean, that's the thing. And, and, and the other thing is that you should probably have like a cutoff point where, uh, you know, let's just say that the account gets underneath like 220 or something. That's where you should be like, okay, they, nope, going back to my smaller position sizing. And, and, you know, with all of this stuff, it's going to be based on your kind of risk appetite and your kind of stomach. But I think the biggest point to take away is that if you are new or if you're a new trader, do not, this is a, this is a long game. Okay. This is everything that you're, that you want right now. Stop. Like stop that you're thinking right now is probably opposite. Uh, if you're, if you are within your first three months of trading, everything that you think, you know, you, you will probably change your mind on 50 times. We uh we just interviewed Doug Bonaparte yesterday. That's why he's talking like a wealth manager. Um, <laughs> another nice tip I heard. Uh, this is just from someone on Twitter that was tweeting at us. Uh, it said he paper trades on Fridays. I mean, that's one of those things. Yeah, like, I saw. Yeah. Good. I think that's not a bad idea. If you have those days, like if every Friday, I knew someone that took off every Thursday. Thursdays just weren't her day. That I see her. She's trading right now though. But. It's one of those things. If if you realize every you know th- at this time it's I suck, or I, every time in pre market I suck, every time lunch tips, it don't be afraid to paper trade. Like don't let your ego get ahead. I mean, learning more and not losing money is a lot better than thinking you're learning and also losing money. Uh, you're you're getting the same shit because you know if you can identify when your weak times are. I feel like paper trading becomes less so oh my god there's no emotion involved to 
you're doing it for a reason, you're doing it to learn, you're going to kind of feel emotion with it because you're doing it to win and not exactly to make money. Yeah. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters, the theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, so moving on to shorting, uh, there's been a lot of chatter about learning to play both sides and learning to play one side is <laughs> hard enough. So, And then everyone says, don't overtrade, and, and then... You know, now it's like you're telling me to play it up and down. What the hell <laughs> is what, what's going on? I, I love I love our listeners like family. Uh, so I try and, you know, I, I feel like we I feel like we're all family. Um, that being said, and I'm from Alabama, so you know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> that is Oh my god! You know, I've never been to Alabama. One day I want to go. Um, the beaches are nice. You also grew up inside a really rich area. No, I didn't. I went to school in a rich area. That you was went an, to a pro yeah. Oh, it okay. was an hour away, dude. I my yeah. I'm <laughs> look. I'm never. I'm not Tommy. I'm not saying I grew up in my car or like I was. I was raised in terrible conditions, dude. No, look. I grew up in big house. Parents loved me. Mom was pharmacist. You know she. Did, had everything I could have asked for, except, uh, you know, I did live an hour away from school, so I didn't have anyone to hang God. out with. Yeah. Dude, I complain about walking 20 minutes. Yeah, I drive um, every day, an hour. Like, my parents wouldn't even let me drive to school until I was 17. That's how far away it was. Wait, you could drive before? <laughs> what what, what six, age can six, you drive? 15, you can drive with an adult uh, driver's permit. <laughs> 16, you can 
But it's Alabama, so technically like eleven or twelve. <laughs> as long as your as long as your blood alcohol content's below uh, like point oh eight, yeah, you t- eleven or twelve is probably fine. Nice. Um, I, but I think yeah. So going back to it, um, one of the worst things that you the whole point of this, one of the worst things that you can do is is that if you're not looking, I mean, if you're not making money, uh, to go look for a different strategy to make money. If the strategy that has that previously made you money isn't making you money, chances are the strategy that you're trying to go do will not make you more money or will not make you money. Maybe it will, but if you're, but I feel like inside a slower market, like right now, people all want to short because they just want to make money. Uh, that is a terrible reason and probably will lose you more money. You have to handle it the same way that we just talked about handling you know, any other strategy. You know, if you're coming to this game immediately to make money, uh, you're probably going to, which we all are, obviously. But if your expectations or your hope is to come and make, I'll call it money that will make a difference in your life. So I'm talking like, you know, a thousand hours or and above, um, <clears throat> you're probably going to get smoked. So that's going to be my cautionary tale before we go into shorting is that if you if you're one of those people that tweet us that you you know want to learn shorting and stuff, that's fine. But please learn long first before you learn short. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because exactly because I mean, shorting you don't need to it throw, has like way more risk. Yeah, I mean, there's if you don't have your hammer on your tool belt, there's no need to throw like a wrench. That's probably so stupid. I probably made no uh, sense. Yo, everybody better roast you on Twitter. Uh, I, yo, I, yeah, the, the whole, all the, the <laughs> hardware and construction side of our listener base is going to fucking destroy <laughs> me about my tool belt metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I mean, Shorty, it, it just seems like, you know, if, if I was a newer trader and everyone's like, hey, August sucks, why not take my exact same things I'm in right now and just short them for the month? I mean, I mean, yeah, it sounds great, but it's one. Oh man, I'm about to fuck this up. I was gonna say it's like that seven foot basketball recruit that looks great on paper, and then you put a ball in front of him, and he doesn't have to dribble. Okay, that's fair. Was that right? I've never heard it before, but it made sense. What's up? Uh, So yeah, so I, I think that that's the same thing. Is that like, oh yeah, like if I were to just go on short. Okay, but what happens, you know, when when you do have a green day and it swipes up against you, you know, you're going to be sitting there wishing that you weren't short, you know, and also, again, so here's your, for anyone that doesn't, that didn't realize this, when you're short, your risk is maximum. Like there's literally no ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. There's no ceiling. When you're long, your risk is zero. Okay, fine. You You lose your investment. Yeah. Yeah. What you paid. When you're short, I mean... It, 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 the stock could go to 10,000 um, from five bucks if it wanted to. Um, I mean, you would not only would you lose your entire investment, you would then owe money on top. Uh, I mean, that's a scary thing to think about. It, it's kind of like being on margin all the time, <laughs> all, all the time. So, I mean, that's the first thing. So, I mean, I, I, can't, I just can't stress that enough that your risk is absolute. I'm only doing it for day trades. I've never like, you know, whenever LTNC was having its thing and everyone said we're, people are paid bashers, shit like that. I, you know, I don't <laughs> Who think. Who would pay us? Yeah, no, I, 
<laughs> well, shorts. Like someone slid inside our DMs. I don't know. Apparently, like um, George Sharp, maybe. <laughs> I don't. Is I he don't. was he even short or was he just really? I think oh, he might I, have just I been. Really, I didn't even know like you could short like OTC shit. They like, don't. It's like, probably really expensive yeah. to short. They're gonna be listening to the, whatever. But but no, I mean like swinging with conviction on shorting. I know I asked Zach about this, but I mean it seems like. You know, in theory, if you see something that, hey, this is overvalued, even if it was like this is a, a buy the room or sell the news and you just see that you see it's it's priced in like whether it been like CCIV, which is now lucid, whenever they announced the merger, it went from 60 to 20. And you could kind of see that, it, you know, it had been pumped up so much. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, the only there's only been two things that I swung short um, Nicola was the first and MRNA was the second. And that's because, uh, you know, I mean, they were, they were, I don't want to call them layups, but they were kind of layups. Um, besides that, I, I really would suggest, <laughs> I would really suggest not swinging short. Yeah. Cause um, I mean, by, have, by the rumor, sell the news this could definitely end up being by the rumor, by the news. <laughs> yeah. And, and exactly. And so that's one of those cases where options may be better. Because, because again, at least you're only losing your investment, but it's way better losing your entire investment than owing. So if you do feel like um, something's going to be a buy the rumor, sell the news, maybe go like a low Dell close to maybe like two months out of, from expiration put that could potentially be in the money, maybe like three or 4% out of the, out of the money. Um, that's something where I could see options making more sense than going short because, I mean, you really don't know how the market will react to th- some things. Technically, I think, and I, I think, um, what was it like Microsoft beat earnings? And I mean, they were down like 4%. So, it, so if you were long, you know, on them beating earnings or, or, you know, let's just say that like something like AMD, if you feel like AMD is going to continue to go down and you're short and then all of a sudden, you know, it rips, I mean, you could just get chopped up. So that could be one of those instances where I feel like options might be better. Yeah. I mean, I, I always prefer options over shorting, but when it, when it does come to shorting and just using like when, like when I was talking about AMD earlier, I mean, it had all the the ups and then, you know, you could, you could play almost every single candle. You could tell when it was overbought. Do you, whenever you're day trading, do you take shorts and, uh, or is that just like, ah, okay, I'm already doing it on the long side? Because it, it becomes a point where it's, you know, it's exhausting. You're like, okay, buy, buy 10,000 long, buy, or sell 10,000 yeah. long. Oh, it's, it's like, holy shit, like, I can I catch a break? Yeah, I also don't have the confidence on the short side. Um, there, so, like, anytime that, like, you know, when it, when it upticks, you know, I, I instantly cover... You know, like, I, I just, I, I don't have the confidence because I took, uh, I, I took, like, bigger losses when I was shorting, when I was like, you know, doing more short stuff. So, um, you know, anytime that swipes up against me, I'm like, uh, I, I'm like, I, you know, I instantly cover. And then even when I'm up on a position, you know, if it swipes up, you know, I instantly cover and then it's like a small win and, you know, you have to pay for the locate stuff like that. Yeah. That's the other thing is that, is that shorting is expensive to do. Um, uh, you're, you're on margin because you're borrowing the shares 
And the other thing is that if you're shorting most things that are that have a smaller market cap, then you have to pay for the locates. So you have to pay for the sh- to be able to do the shares. And then most of the time, brokers will also charge you a transaction fee. So you know if you're shorting a hundred shares of something, it might cost you a hundred dollars to locate those shares. And then every transaction might be three dollars. So every time that you buy and sell. So even before you make any money, or even before you place the transaction, you're down. Um, so at the very minimum, even if you were to cover for flat, you lost on the trade. So I think that that's really important and another aspect to things. So, you know, I mean, I remember like, like some of the things I used to locate were like 20 grand um, just to buy the shares, like literally just to be able to use the shares, you know, and that's why I have like over a quarter million in commission right now that I paid in commission. And I mean, I, I don't short that much. Like I know some of those short guys, like they do millions in commission every year. Yeah, millions. So I mean, there there are two definite ways. Obviously, uh, no one likes my idea of uh, shorting and swinging, but it'll catch on. Someone will like the yeah, idea. It, Melvin Capital likes the idea. Melvin, yeah, there you go. The one thing that you can do though is that let's just say that um, a lot of volume comes into a stock because you know someone's pumping it for no reason. Then. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's going nuts. And it's really, you know, the RSI is at like 95. That's one of those times where you could scalp a short and that's probably lower risk, lower risk to reward. It, you know, if the RSI is at 95 and, you know, it, it's kind of looks like it's breaking down a little bit, your stops at high a day and then you short back to VWAP. That's a really simple strategy um, to scalp short. And that's probably the one that I would start with with like one share. Um, cause you kind of got the, got to get the feeling of it. Um, you know what I mean? Like you kind of got to get, you got to get the feeling and the personality of it. Getting like simple strategies like that is a really good idea. Yeah. And, and just for anyone that doesn't understand, it's basically saying, Hey, you know, if this does break high a day when we already saw it breaking down minimal risk, because if it does break high a day, it's probably going to keep going up again, you know, uh, yeah. ch- charting one one with Dan. So yeah, just having having that available, uh, minimizing risk, and also you know having a reason behind that minimizing risk. Moving on from probably something we to something we know a little bit more about. Uh, El Professor asked us um, analyst price targets and how oh, they like are garbage. Um, he said MVST was given a six dollar price target yesterday. I'm gonna give that a little look. Uh, it is now at twelve thirty six. Huh, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> so um looks like they were, you know, trading around eight or nine and they gave a six dollar price target and it proceeded to double in price or you know, go up around seventy five percent. Yeah. Uh I, I think we've asked about this on other interviews, and some people say, you know, some analysts are just hold more weight than others. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um for for the analyst role, and if you're an analyst, I'm sorry. Uh I mean it, it's somewhat useless. <laughs> <laughs> in in most in most ways it's useless you're glorified furu yeah yeah i mean that's pretty much what it is like uh i, I thought it was funny someone commented underneath like one of my posts and i was like yeah like i could see this thing going to like, like it was trch i was like yeah i could see this thing going to five and he was like what's the difference between you and like a barclays analyst and then uh someone else commented like uh hugh doesn't have a series seven and they're right they're right and then it, it really you know i kind of chuckled because i was like yeah, I guess there's really no difference between me and an analyst um, besides the fact that he has a Series 7 and I don't. And he's employed by someone and I'm not. Um, so I think that I, I, I do chuckle at that. I think that that's really funny. But as far as the analyst role goes, 
99% of them are useless. There are ones that I like to pay attention to. And for instance, that's going to be uh, like someone, for instance, like Barclays, uh, they have a direct department for their biotechs, for their biotechs. So there's someone who got their doctorate and like, you know, and has a finance background. And now they give price targets based on what they feel the protein is uh, for the, you know, whatever, whatever stock it is or, you know, whatever drug it is. So with that, I do like people that specialize in certain fields because they're giving a price target that makes sense. You know, like, yes, this protein, it will add 300 million to the market share every year. And I think that's going to get approved because of this. You know, that makes sense to me. Some guy from JP Morgan, no, no offense, love JP Morgan, giving a price target because they just like the most of them don't have real basis around it. Yeah, they'll write a report, but that report has no guncture. You know, that has no that has no mm to it. You know, there's no meat and potatoes. Um, and those are the ones that really piss me off because because uh, it, it doesn't make sense. You know, like like you like you can't sit there and tell me that um that you don't like you know we don't feel that they're going to increase sales. Why? Because we don't feel it's a need for the market. Why? You know, like there's no there's no market data behind there. Now, you know, maybe they have market data that they've done on their side and whatever, and they don't want to release that, and that's fine. But I, I just don't like um, I don't like putting so much weight on an analyst price target if the report really doesn't have any any you know DD behind it or any real real reasoning. All right. Well, next question. New, different news scanners. Uh, I think most people use trade ideas, and Zach swears uh, by Benzinga Charlie. Um, I mean, I don't. Obviously, we're gonna have to do a, a different episode if, if we're gonna really go deep into them. But uh, for news scanners, uh, are those the two main ones you agree with? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Benzinga Charlie trade ideas for you know volume scanners and stuff like that. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I also do like uh, scans for news. I like that as well. You know, I mean, it's really just your preference. I mean, I just have a bunch just, just, I mean, honestly, I don't need a bunch, but it's just, um, at this point, it's a convenience thing. You know, it's one of those like, you know, I, I, I can go to scans because I know how to use that one quickly for this, or I can go to Benzinga Charlie for this, you know, stuff like that. I, I, yeah. So I think that any of those will, will be good, but personally, I just know that I have different ones for different reasons. All right. Well, what news is good news and what news is noise? Um, I think this is a good one because, I mean, it obviously this is one where it's a screen time thing. And it's also uh, knowing if it's just fluff news is in. Did they already announce this? And it's just like a reminder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I think most analyst price targets are noise. Um, also, anything that doesn't that isn't going to directly affect um, the company and the fundamentals. Again, if a company gets a. Uh, let's just call it like a contract. If they get a contract and the contract is, let's just say that they have a hundred million dollar market cap and the contract is for 400,000, you know, that's not really going to do much. That, that doesn't, that's fundamentally not going to move the needle. Um, you know, that's not going to make their quarter, you know, in fact, it, it, it's, it'll be nothing on the bottom, on the bottom line. So with that being with that, you know, that's something that that's, that to me is noise. Um, you know, I'm not going to trade that. If it gets bid up super high, that might even be a short. You know, if it goes up, if, the, if you know, in a crazy market, if that stock goes 100, 
um, then, you know, it, on, on something like that, uh, that, that instance, then, you know, that might even be a short. The next thing is um, a lot of bio smaller cap companies will come out with a lot of really nonsense press releases like Sava. Um, I mean, I got smoked on Sava, but it was, we potentially, we may potentially have good data for our phase one in the future. Uh, I mean, that, that says nothing. That, that, that doesn't, again, that doesn't change the fundamentals of the company at all. So it, it, when, when reading news, you have to think, okay, is this going to add value to the company? You know, something like, uh, like adding a senior vice president. Now, if they have a really good name, and I'm, not their name, but, you know, if they have a really good resume, uh, you know, that could change something, um, you know, especially if an airline company adds a drone manager from, you know, a massive drone company. That's something that could fundamentally change the company because why are they hiring a drone guy? You know, are they opening up a new, a new department? You know, what, what's going on here? That's one of those times where, where I could see that, you know, being a fundamental change. So that's what you have to ask yourself when reading news. Is this going to fundamentally change something for the company? Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters, the theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, next one is how to play earnings. Often companies crush earnings but tank. I actually um, don't like playing it with comments too much. However, I think that is a fun time to take lotto calls or lotto puts, you know, money you wouldn't mind risking. And uh, it, she could explode. I mean, I think that's always that's just always how I play it. And it's just fun money. And I've seen it, you know, work out. And I think I've made more money than lost. So. Yeah. Uh, don't don't trade earnings. Just don't trade them. 
there it's too difficult you don't know how the market's going to react you know most of these stocks have had a pretty good run up so even an earnings beat is making them uh not tank but you know is making them fade a little bit so it, 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 there's too many risk factors. There's too many variables. You know, what if what if they uh, decide to also do like a share restructure or something? Like, you just don't know. That with earnings report, usually comes news, and it could be good or bad. You know, it's too much of a gamble. If you want to take a gamble and you want to take like one percent of your account and gamble on on options, fine, whatever. But don't don't play earnings. It's too difficult. It, it you're just. You'll lose more times than you win. Yeah. If anything, you can play their earnings after the move happens. So if if they do an earnings beat and the stock's down six percent, like something like Amazon, you want to scoop up cheap shares. Fine. You know, do that. But uh, but don't don't play for earnings. Play after earnings after the initial move. All right. Trying to be a full time trader when you're doing well, even though your family and friends think it's gambling or dangerous. Uh, a tell your family and friends to fuck off. Or B, uh, don't tell your family and friends you're trading. And also, uh, C, my preferred one is uh, show up to Thanksgiving in a Lamborghini. Uh, you can rent it if necessary and then say, how's this for risk management? Yeah, and then you have a year to actually make Lamborghini money. You know, it's, yeah. like, it's kind of a no-brainer. Uh, no, but on a serious note, I'm, I'm going to kind of refer to Gary Vee on this one because <clears throat> if... If your family doesn't believe in it and you're underneath their household, then you have to follow their rules. That's how I always grew up is that when I was underneath that household or that household, mom's going to be pissed at that. Um, when I was underneath you know, mom's household, it was her way or the highway. You know, I, I got a lot of support for things I wanted to do, but let's just say that I wanted to go do drugs, you know, like that wasn't allowed underneath her household. Um, you know, so, so, so I, should I don't know, like he that, want so to do drugs, he'd have to move out. As long as I would. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if, <laughs> if, they're, that if, one too. if they're providing you um, with shit that you need, like you wouldn't be able to live without them. Yeah. Uh, and they're telling you not to trade. Well, there's only one thing you can do. Hide the fact that you're trading. Yeah. You have to hide the fact that you're trading and, uh, and, and wait till you move out. Or, and, and, but here's the thing is that you shouldn't become a full time. It's not like you're selling crack. <laughs> You're you're trading stocks on the stock market. Tell your parents to piss uh, off. Well, don't do that because then they're gonna be pissed at us. Um, <laughs> yeah, because you imagine like little Johnny, like mom, dad, like Dan told you to piss <laughs> off. You've been listening to that damn Go <laughs> Raw podcast too damn much, and now you lost all our fucking money on expiration <laughs> options or whatever the hell it, you call them. On a serious note, though. If, if your family doesn't, first off, you shouldn't be trading until you have a nice nest egg. And what I mean by that is like, not like a retirement net. Well, you know, that wouldn't be bad either, but uh, you know, something you should have six months minimum uh, because minimum before you go full time and don't go full time until you prove to yourself that you can make money. You know, it's not one of those things where like, if I just had more time, I could make money because in 99% of cases, that's not the, that's not the truth. Um, in fact, my best trades are usually when I'm not looking at the computer and I set stop sells super high and I wait for news. Um, like if I did that, I'd probably be significantly more rich. So I, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, if your if your family doesn't like it, you know, learn, study while you're underneath their household, build up enough capital, and then, like we said, go small. And then once you prove to yourself, you know, then then you know you have to decide 
uh, if it's the right decision for you to move out or not, you know? And, and so if they're supporting you, then you have to do what they say. There, there's just no way around that. I mean, you have to. Can y'all, oh, damn, these are both the same guy. Holdo Baggins, damn it. We're going to answer both really fast. Can y'all talk about the ways that you track or track your progress at the beginning, find patterns in your own training, and create and keep rules to follow? I used a whiteboard. I swear to God, I had a whiteboard and I wrote on it. And I, I wrote, like, what helped me, what didn't. And I think just being able to say, hey, this fucked me this day. Uh, this work the next and just finding, I mean, finding your strategy obviously is super big. Uh, I don't think tracking it like that is necessary, but if that's how you learn, I mean, yeah, hell yeah. Excel sheets are dope. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I just have a desk full of notes and stuff. I mean, you can't even open some of the drawers. Uh, so, I mean, that's how, that's how I learned. And, uh, and I mean, you know, it, it wasn't like I just, uh, it was like disorganized chaos or wait, that's not the right. That's not what that's close for. enough. Um, yeah. So um, that's going to be the biggest thing that I track my progress for. And also, you know, using TD is like, you know, actual progress, you know, the, for, for the money wise. But I also think that, you know, if, if you're learning, then you're making progress. Um, so just keep good notes, write down everything or type everything and uh, so you can come back to it. Okay. Last one. Same guy. Uh, maybe talking or maybe talking about overnighters for traders under PDT who aren't trading options. What's some good rules of thumb for holding the position overnight? Okay, so the biggest one obviously is not to sell before the market closed. And then whenever you wake up, you're still going to be holding the position and that's holding overnight. Have a great week. No, I'm just fine. Uh, but <laughs> no, I mean, it just depends. Like, why are you holding it overnight? Uh, if you're only holding it overnight because you're not allowed to sell it because you're under PDT, my solution to you would be switch to a cash account. But if something you're swinging and you're trading around a core position, which is obviously hard if you're on a margin account, yeah, then I don't really have an answer for that. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, if you're if you have a small account, just don't do options. Just nice. No, I don't. I don't game. know why I mentioned options. Uh, you could have asked that questions without mentioning options. Just, just, just learn the learn the long game, and then you know, as far as holding overnight, if you're not if you're not swinging something for a catalyst, and you feel like it's going to gap up overnight, you know why? If it's running into after hours, maybe it'll gap up. But most of the time, at least take half off. Um, you know, I mean, the only reason I hold stuff overnight. Is because I'm swinging it for the catalyst or a catalyst. So if you're not swinging for a catalyst, I don't think it makes much sense. I would really recommend to just about everyone under PDT, if you haven't given it a shot, try a cash account. It'll it's it's a completely different game. You're basically trading as if you were above 25k. It's just uh, you run out of money by noon sometimes, and uh, it'll give you that patience needed to you know not over trade. You know you won't revenge trade because you're not allowed to uh, past like yeah. you know you'll run out of money. And then by the time you get to like 18 to 20K, you don't really see that issue. You don't, you aren't really running out of money unless you're just trading breakouts for very, very quick scalps. Um, so last but not least, uh, we are signed to iHeartRadio. Not much to change for you guys. Uh, just we're super hella rich now. And I mean, that's about all it really is to it. Uh, work hard, believe in your dreams. And uh, iHeartRadio. That was good. Yeah, I mean, pretty much the only because uh, we saw a lot of things, so we just wanted to clear it up. You know, we're still going to do our Sunday, Wednesday episodes. Um, you know, not much is going to change. Uh, they're just really they're helping us so that we can focus on creating really good content for you guys, um, and we don't have to worry about 
ads and stuff. You know, they take care of that. You know, and they, they just give us a little fat check. You know, there may be there may be growing pains, as our manager describes it. They're, we are we are building the plane while flying it. So uh, oh, that he, was good. Yeah, he's a smart dude. So he may, well, he's a smart dude. You know, there may be maybe some issues uh, if, if they put too many ads or anything. We'll snap at them so y'all don't deserve that. But you know, you know the deal. We love five star ratings. Those make us happy. We like likes on YouTube and subscriptions and. We we've been recording hella interviews and uh, Hugh is going to so Egypt many. for a couple weeks. So um, so if you're in Cairo, hit the boy up. Yeah, yeah. So if we have any Egyptian listeners, uh, <laughs> make sure to show them around the pyramids. But yeah, no, we're gonna. So even when he's gone, and I planned my move around that time too, so I can be moving, he can be in Egypt, and we'll be dropping, you know, fan favorites, whether it be PJ, Gary, and Tommy, or or. Mr. Meme Doug Bonaparte. So we're going to have all those ready for you. And uh, yeah, uh, we love you guys and we'll see you on Wednesday. Peace. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.